As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast on a Sunday evening or perhaps a Monday morning, depending on when you are listening to this. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you to get help you get a head start on your week three waivers with uh, week two just about in the books here. DVR, how's your week three or week two Sunday treating you? And not too bad, you know, it's uh, still a routine for me to, to get used to being out on the West Coast, but uh, no complaints. Uh, I think it was... A little bit of a rough week for me on the DFS front from a cash game perspective, but not too bad on the GPP front. There you go. That's uh, definitely not a bad Sunday at all, and not a bad Sunday, actually, to start looking at waivers. A week ago at this time, we were surmising that there wasn't really a big prize on the waiver wire. Then, 24 hours or so later, we learned that Raheem Mostert was out for the entire season, and so Eli Mitchell became that prize and didn't really come through for it on people who ended up spending 70, 80, 90% of their fab. This week, it looks like we have at least a few more options. Maybe some no one who's in as good a potential spot as Mitchell still could be in San Francisco's offense, but we have a few different directions in which we can go to spend our fab dollars. First guy who I want to bring up on this episode here is Michael Carter. Now, Michael Carter is going to be a little bit more of a shallow league guy, 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues, about 70% rostered or so in CBS leagues, but still someone worth talking about really quickly. Because it seems like maybe the takeover of the backfield at least started happening for him. 11 carries for 59 yards and the Jets lost to the Patriots. Got three targets, caught two of them for 29 yards. Ty Johnson had 12 carries in this game. He had 50 yards also on those 12 carries. But it was pretty clear that Carter was the best back in the Jets' backfield. Yeah, I guess the question would be, in what circumstances would you be comfortable starting Michael Carter in Week 3? I think it could take him a few more weeks to fully... You know, push Ty Johnson into the smaller role of the timeshare. It could be more even in the foreseeable future. This is an offense that might struggle to put some points on the board while Zach Wilson acclimates to the NFL. Clearly, the Patriots did a lot of things to confuse him uh, in that matchup on Sunday. Uh, but I think anytime you have a running back who's on the rise, a guy that could be a 15 to 20 touch back in a reasonable amount of time, that is a player worth picking up, even in those shallow leagues. And I think Carter's just over 50% rostered in ESPN leagues as well. So I think you're right on the money. It's going to be more of those 10-team home league style setups where Carter's going to be available. 
Yeah, I, I think that's where you're looking. And I think that even if you're not comfortable with him in week three, which I don't think you should be unless you are really hard up for running backs, he could, it, it feels like he really could be the, that sort of Miles Sanders rookie year kind of guy. And that's what we were talking about him even back in draft season, that you take him knowing that it might not be until week seven, week eight, that you're comfortable starting with him. But then he could be a really solid, you know, top 20, top 24 back from that point forward. And it feels like maybe that uh, process is at least a little bit sped up after what we saw from him in week two. Justin Fields is someone who maybe is going to have a little bit more widespread uh, appeal as a pickup this week. Andy Dalton suffered a knee injury. It was a non-contact knee injury. We're not going to speculate on how serious that could be but we know that non-contact typically is not a very good thing. So let's just say we're in a world now, DBR, where it is Justin Fields, and this is the time that Justin Fields is the Bears' starting quarterback in Week 3 when they take a visit to Cleveland to take on the Browns, and he remains the starter for the rest of the season. How aggressive are you going to be in leagues where he is available? You know, I think it's still going to be a super flex league, and even in those situations, we're early enough in the season where he's probably been rostered and held up to this point. Uh, but if you're talking like a 14-team league, I think you could consider Fields as a mix-and-match play. The upcoming schedule for the Bears could be pretty favorable, at least some game scripts where they may have to throw it. One matchup against the Lions in Week 4, where the defense is just flat-out bad, so... Cleveland in week three on the road is kind of borderline for fields. That'd be more of a chasing the game sort of script. The Lions in week four could be good. The Raiders in week five could be a team that put a lot of points up on the board against the Bears and force fields to air it out quite a bit too. So I think there's a few decent spots coming up in the schedule. I'm not necessarily going overboard and fab to pick him up though, because I think he fits into the cluster of typically available waiver wire quarterbacks, if we're talking about our, our standard 10 and 12 team leagues, at least for the foreseeable future. Rosterable, but not necessarily a must-get player. Yeah, I think you, you would you would have to see a little bit more out of him in these next couple of games against Cleveland, against Detroit, before you felt like he was a must, or you would have to be uh, someone who went really, really aggressively uh, shallow in your quarterback drafting strategies if you were going to right off the jump grab Justin Fields and throw him into a lineup in week three against the Browns. I think he's someone who, assuming that this scenario does play out and he is now the starter for the Bears, I do think that he should be pretty widely rostered, just about universally rostered. I would say that not everyone in a one-quarterback league needs Justin Fields, but there is someone in every one-quarterback league who could use Justin Fields. But again, I would still keep my bids within check. We're not talking about a guy who just right off the jump is going to jump into your fantasy lineups and be someone who you want. And we saw that, frankly in the game against the Bengals in week two. Uh, he played the entire second half, and it was a disjointed half. The Bears had a lot of false start penalties that seemed like he and the offensive line weren't on the same page. And obviously, that's something that smooths out as he gets more first-team reps in practice, but it does, does still feel as though there's a little bit more to be had between him and the rest of the offense before you really want to trust him as a weekend week out starter. Uh, his teammate Darnell Mooney in shallow leagues also maybe deserves a little bit of a look. Six catches on eight targets for 66 yards in the Bears win against the Bengals. Let's talk about another um, deeper league guy, and this is someone uh, who had a big game uh, for the Cardinals in week two. It's Rondale Moore, and he was someone who got a lot of uh, attention at the end of draft season. You see him still sitting in the 35 to 45 percent uh, roster rate big big game in the Cardinals win over the Vikings eight targets caught seven of them for 114 yards and a touchdown the touchdown was on a big play a broken play by the uh, Vikings secondary but DVR still had eight targets so sure you can say he had the big play that did the heavy lifting for him 
but still seven more targets, and they're just going to scheme ways to get the ball in his hands because of how explosive he is in a very, very good offense. There's a lot to like about Rondale Moore. Yeah, I think this is an Arizona team that will shoot out on a pretty regular basis. They'll play up-tempo, which gives Kyler Murray plenty of opportunities to throw the ball. They're going to run a ton of plays. And I think it's an offense that, in those circumstances, can consistently support at least three pass catchers. We still have some questions about how well they're going to run the ball. And I think that also pushes a little more volume toward the passing attack. So I think, you know, behind DeAndre Hopkins, we talked about this a bit last week with Christian Kirk, it might be a bit of a guessing game each week as to who actually checks in as the second most productive pass catcher, or at least the most reliable pass catcher behind Hopkins. But Moore is certainly on the same level as Kirk. And I think A.J. Green at this stage of his career might be a half notch below those guys just in terms of usage and expectations. So if you're in a a 10 or a 12 team league where Rondell Moore is out there on the wire, there's a good chance that he is the most interesting wide receiver that you could pick up this week. Wide receiver threes just aren't you know, built exactly the same way. And for guys who are wide receiver threes, we talk about the offenses that you're in. And you just you, you look at what Arizona is going to do. I mean, you saw you got Rondell Moore get the eight targets that we talked about. DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk in this game turned four targets into three catches for 65 yards. A.J. Green got six more targets, the same number he had last week, 344 and a touchdown. I mean, this team is going to give all of its skill players opportunities. That's just what the sort of offense that this Cardinals is going to be all season long. And so there are going to be duds for Rondale Moore. That's just going to be the case. As you said, beyond DeAndre Hopkins, there's going to be duds for all these guys. Duds for Moore, duds for Kirk, duds for Green. That's going to happen. But there are also going to be big games that are mixed in as well. And you just want to have an investment in what this Arizona offense is going to be Rondale Moore is one of the few guys who is still going to do that for you because I don't think you're going to be going out and making any trades for Kyler Murray. I think people who invested in Kyler feeling very, very good about their QB1 after these first two weeks of the uh, fantasy season thus far. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get a few more guys on the list here, DVR. Still a few more guys that we can talk about uh, after week two that we should be going after under, under waivers. How about uh, Tim Patrick, uh, another shallow league guy, but he's got in the end zone again. And without Jerry Judy, we know uh, Cortland Sutton is going to be at the very top of the list for Denver. And he put up 159 yards, a big game in the Broncos week two victory over the Jaguars. But this is two straight games now with Tim Patrick, and he's just been a touchdown maker whenever he's had an opportunity. We've seen this now for a couple of seasons. Yeah, and I think with Patrick playing on the outside and Hamler being more of a deep threat, the week-to-week consistency is going to be better from Patrick by comparison. I could see Hamler being the kind of guy that has a few of his better best ball games now that Jerry Judy's out of the picture with that injury, but I still see Patrick as the guy that in a start three receivers, you're down somebody, we get to the bye weeks in a few weeks and you're looking for options. I think Patrick's going to be more viable in that regard. You're going to feel better about getting eight, nine, 10 points from him with obviously a little bit of room for more. Uh, just an underrated all-round player in that Denver offense. And I think what we're going to be really trying to figure out here in these next couple of weeks is 
how good are they on that side of the ball? I mean, given the the matchups we've seen for them so far against the Giants and the Jags, I don't know if they've really been tested just yet, but so far they've looked at least good enough to prop up plenty of viable pass catchers from a fantasy perspective, which was absolutely true of, of Teddy Bridgewater a year ago in Carolina. Yeah, we saw two, uh, two straight touchdowns uh, for Noah Fant. We saw a big game for Jerry Judy before his ankle injury last week, a big game for Cortland Sutton in week two. So yes, maybe they haven't had the toughest test over the first two weeks, but they've checked the boxes. They've done what they should do. They've taken care of business against teams that they are frankly better than. It'll be fun to see this team step up in weight class a little bit. Right now, Tim Patrick definitely belongs on your radar. And I think another AFC West receiver should be as well. It's Henry Ruggs, who fell back in the roster rates to the point where we can talk about him as a deeper league grab. Had a big touchdown in the Raiders' win over the Steelers. Ended the day with five catches on seven targets for 113 yards and that score. Someone who was pretty widely drafted early on in draft season. We saw that slip as we got later in draft season. We saw him get dropped a little bit after week one. And now he has the big game in week two. How are you looking at Ruggs? Where does he fit in with these wide receivers that we're talking about here today? I bailed on rugs and flex after one game, which I'm immediately regretting. I didn't think volume was going to be there. I thought this was actually a tough matchup, too. So I was worried that it might just take him a few weeks to really find his footing this year. I would say if you're looking at rugs versus Rondell Moore, wow, that's actually a pretty good toss up. I think I'd give the edge to rugs because he could be the number two behind Darren Waller as you look at all the pass catchers there. We talked about how crowded things are in Arizona, but in terms of the percentage of your budget that you're willing to give up for one of those guys, I think it's pretty comparable. I think they're both in that 5 to 8% range, depending on your need. All right, let's get into a couple of backs before we wrap things up here. DVR, two guys who are more shallow league, at least in terms of where they're already rostered. Two guys in, who are more deep league where they're rostered. But I think you could argue the deep league guys being better grabs over the shallow league guys. So the shallow league guys are Zach Moss and James White. Zach Moss had a couple of short yardage touchdowns, eight carries for 26 yards. But it's very hard to look past what Devin Singletary has done these first two weeks of the season for the Bills. The other shallow league guy is James White. Five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. Six catches on six targets for 45 yards. That's the James White line. That's basically the best you're going to get out of James White. It feels like it's maybe a little bit underappreciated with what he has done because he's done it for so long. But you do have those two guys who are, based on their roster rates, available in shallow leagues. And then we have Cordero Patterson and Peyton Barber. Cordell Patterson got in the end zone twice. It just seems like he's going to have some sort of role in Atlanta's offense alongside Mike Davis. And then um, Peyton Barber didn't do much for the Raiders in their win over the Steelers, but clearly was the primary runner. They really didn't change Kenyon Drake's role with Josh Jacobs out. It basically seemed like they just put Peyton Barber in the Josh Jacobs role and kept Kenyon Drake in the role that he is supposed to play in this backfield. So if Jacobs is out, Maybe we hold our nose and think about Barber as sort of the Carlos Hyde from week one. When you look at these four backs, how do they shake up for you? It's so gross. I mean, the Raiders, <laughs> I would have thought given their commitment to Kenyon Drake, they would have played it differently. But John Gruden right. came out at the end of the week and told us that things were going to be this way. So I don't know what else we could ask for from a pure like projection and an analyst standpoint. If the coach comes out and tells you that a guy's role is going to be basically the same as it was before someone else got hurt, then 
I guess we take him at his word. At least we take Gruden at his word, which is refreshing. I would say of all these backs, the one I'm actually the most interested in is Zach Moss. I think Devin Singletary is still always going to be in that 12 to 15 touch range for what the Bills want to do. I know Moss had a fumble in that game, but they kept going back to him. It was a blowout, so it's hard to read too much into it. But that's an explosive offense where if Singletary were to break, Moss could be getting an extraordinary number of touches. I think he's probably a better pass catcher than people realize. So that could work in his favor down the road as well. So there's some short-term appeal. If you got to plug him in, he's at least going to get some touches. And the long-term value is greater than a lot of the other backup running backs that we tend to stash on our roster. So he's easily my favorite of this bunch. James White's a guy you can kick out there every week because they have some issues in that group of pass catchers. And if Mac Jones is going to play an ultra-conservative sort of game each week, James White's going to catch four or five balls with ease. So if you're in a half PPR league, you know that's solid. That's going to be probably seven to eight points right off the top, what he does there. And if he gets in the end zone, you're real happy. So definitely a rosterable player, but clearly a guy that I'd put behind Zach Moss if you're sort of swinging for the fences uh, with some upside. I'm not really interested in Peyton Barber at all. I just don't think he's a good player. I, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those guys that I never really want to roster. I'm totally with you on Peyton Barber. Um, I think we need to talk about him because he's going to be discussed in waiver circles this week, but he's just so limited. We know exactly what he is. He's not going to have a passing game role, and it's not like Josh Jacobs is done for the season, right? We're talking about someone who maybe, maybe has a little bit of utility for as long as Josh Jacobs is out. And so you would have to be, I think if you were really interested in Barber, you would have to be desperate enough that you could start him in week three. And that's really the only way you could think about grabbing Peyton Barber. So I'm not even wasting a dime on him in my fab bids this week. I think that Cordell Patterson is sort of a James White type of player. We saw it in this game. He had seven carries. Uh, Mike Davis had nine carries and the Falcons lost to the Buccaneers. Cordell Patterson happened again in the end zone. It happened more because it was a hurry up situation in which he was already out there because the Falcons were in an obvious passing situation. So he just sort of flukily got that rushing touchdown. But six targets caught five of them for 58 yards and a touchdown. He's never going to pass Mike Davis. Mike Davis had seven more targets in this game after six a week ago. So Mike Davis, 13 targets over the first two games. It just feels like you know Cordell Patterson was right today, and that's a little bit more descriptive than it is predictive of what's going forward. But if you're in a shallower, or excuse me, a deeper league and that sort of player, if like Naeem Hines has some value in your league, then I think Cordell Patterson could have some value in your league too. So that's how I would benchmark this. If, if Naeem Hines, if that's someone who you would want in your league, then maybe Cordell Patterson is someone who you could go after as well. I think you you nailed it on Zach Moss, that he would be the guy who, if all these guys were available in your league, he would be the one to go after just for all the reasons that you mentioned. You like the Buffalo offense. You like that he's going to have some sort of role in the Buffalo offense every week so long as he's active, unlike he was in week one. But uh, he's probably the best guy that you look at. Is there anyone else before we wrap things up here that you look at and say, maybe this is someone who at least as you go into Monday should be someone who you're thinking about, even if maybe you ultimately don't make a claim on him? You know, Devontae Parker is actually on my radar coming into this week. He's still out there in a few leagues. I know the quality of the quarterback play there could be a concern if it's Jacoby Brissett under center. We'll have to see what's going on with Tua Tungavailoa. But Parker's a good player who's put up good numbers with mediocre quarterback play in the past. And I think people were overlooking his target share coming out of that opener. So I'm still interested in him, even with that uncertainty. Yeah, I think Parker is a great call. He's had some sort of role in the in the Miami offense in both games. And if Will Fuller is as out for as it sounds like he is going to be, then we could see Devontae Parker be a top two option 
in the Miami passing game for the entire season. We'll see what happens with Tua Tungavailoa, but if he is indeed one of their top two receivers along with Jalen Waddle, then he is going to be someone who has a role to play in the fantasy world for probably the entirety of the season. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Getting your week three waivers started. We'll take a fuller look at this picture on our Monday episode with me, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all soon and get those bids ready.